0: Card. Former Man United captain and man, no longer on Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's Christmas card list, Roy Keane. <laughs> He's no longer on Jimmy's Christmas card list because he was stuck in the middle between Roy and Jamie Carragher at the uh, Man United Chelsea match last week. How comfortable do you think he looked? I think he looked extremely uncomfortable. He was Did- like... Uh, he was like you know if you're pa- you're out for dinner and your parents start arguing and just oh, yeah. kind of stuck there in the middle awkwardly smiling and laughing, you know David Jones the Sky Sports presenter was just kind of trying to jump in the middle. It's like the the waiter that comes over and asks you, are "You ready to order yet?" And Jimmy's just in the corner going, <laughs> 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 "I'll have the garlic bread with cheese, please." Do you know what's mad
1: though? Like if you like so Roy Keane uh, ha- has become kind of a you know, for like younger football fans like who are kind of maybe in their teens or, you know, late teens, they may never have seen Roy Keane play or don't really remember seeing Roy Keane play and probably some of them don't remember seeing Jamie Carragher play, but they become like celebrities in their own right, like as pundits to these people. So like that video, like, you know, trended massively and went viral and stuff like that. How many people were like, who's your man in the middle? Yeah. Because like, he did, he do, he hasn't been on as a pundit that much. He does not have as decorated a career. Um, you know, I I just wonder. But he looked super awkward. And uh sorry, what's the presenter's name again?
0: David Jones.
1: When David Jones touched Roy's shoulder to try to be like it's done now. <laughs> oh he I touched thought his he was gonna crack him Touch
0: touched his leg.
1: Touched his leg, actually, you're right. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? You know, like he he's he's not a happy man right now, you know, but uh he got away with it, I think.
0: I mean, on a good day, touching Roy Keane's leg, I'd say is a bad idea. But you know, when he's in that mood, I'm surprised he didn't stand up and square him,
1: <laughs> John Straitner, like from Roy Keane. Yeah, yeah. No, I it, mean, got, it got it got really heated. Like a kind of um, you you just see that moment where Roy is his voice gets a little bit higher. Actually, just before we get into anything else, who do you think was right?
0: Well, I mean, I know Jamie Carragher's opinion was that. Ronaldo doesn't add anything to the team. And I mean, that's just silly. If he Do you think that statistically- was what he was getting across?
1: I think the biggest point he was saying is like, why sign him? Like he's a he's a, a winning things now player is basically, I thought it boiled down to you sign him to win something now. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. your team was second last season. You sign him. It's supposed, it's supposed to be to win a league now. Like, you know, and I don't think Roy Keane was trying to say, Oh, you win him to you, you. You sign him to win a couple of cups or something like that. Mm. But there's no way Roy Keane seeing them finish second last season thought, you know, oh here's Ronaldo now we're going to go backwards and just win a few cups.
0: Well, I I, think I was Roy I was afraid a, when
1: you signed. Like I I was actually like, ah oh, crap, they've signed Ronaldo. Like,
0: yeah, I think Roy Keane's initial point was he was annoyed that Ronaldo was being left out of the team, and yeah. I think Jamie Carragher's point was. Why is he being left out of the team? And then it just devolved into what you say, I'll have you. So I think they initially probably <laughs> had the same opinion, but because they're two very abrasive characters, mm. they probably just took umbrage with what one was saying. So What you say,
1: I'll have you, is like the least <laughs> threatening version of that. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think you could be right. They're, they're definitely, uh, as pundits, they're, they have the ability to lose the run of themselves and lose their actual original point.
0: Yeah, but I think for me, Roy Keane's certainly... This season has become a bit of a caricature of himself. <laughs> yeah, you've been a bit I tired think. of him, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I like Roy Keane. I mean, obviously, I'm a Man United supporter. I appreciate that he was a great footballer in his time, but as as a pundit, he's definitely very much there for sound bites these days. He doesn't really add any incisive analytics to any of his games that he that he talks about. He's more, you know, attacking players and having a go at certain yeah. managers and. He doesn't really offer anything incisive, you know. There's no great insights uh, I learn from watching Roy Keane punditry.
1: But which like is something
0: I en- which is something I enjoy.
1: Yeah, no, no. I enjoy him. I think there's like a kind of hierarchy of those ex-United players who are now working in punditry and it kind of goes Gary Neville because he actually says some analytical tactical things, gives an insight into the game. Then there's Roy Keane because he's got such entertainment value and maybe has the odd nugget of something and then there's Rio Ferdinand
0: who's you know, Yeah, but Michael Owen. Michael <laughs> Owen's gems. Oh. Well, I, I can't kinda can't just don't fu- count him. Can't watch a film.
1: But Rio Ferdinand is like basically still the kid on stabilizers. Like he's not he's not really able to do it, but they they throw him in there. And then there is the the, the sand, the the white bread that is Paul Scholes. <laughs> like <laughs> he like I mean, I actually think Paul Scholes probably actually says some pretty decisive and pretty uh, like like revealing things, but like he's. I'm almost asleep by the time he's finished his sentence, so it doesn't really matter. He doesn't hold you.
0: Paul's goals doesn't even look like he's interested in what Paul's goals is no. saying. No. So if he can't get himself interested, then Yeah, why should I he's listen to you? you we know? as a viewer expected to pay any attention to what he says.
1: But, but just knowing that we're going to, we're talking about United today and maybe not this particular thing, I, I would like to just maybe considering how you started this podcast. Ask you how you feel about Ronaldo? Can Ronaldo? Should Ronaldo be rested? Should like is is it okay for a manager to leave him on
0: the bench? I think Ronaldo brings his best when he's playing big games, and I think if you're playing Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge, I think it's silly to leave Ronaldo because as we saw, we United you know, in the goal that they scored, they scored on the break, and there was another opportunity. Fair enough, Ronaldo was on the pitch by the time Fred got his opportunity where he basically just pa- like back-passed the ball to Mendy. Yeah. But I think they're probably aware of the, the way that they were going to play and that they were most likely to score a goal on the counter-attack. And you want Ronaldo in your team to be able to score goals.
1: I get that, but is it okay to to, to leave him out of games?
0: Okay to leave him out of games, but I wouldn't have left him out of that game. Yeah, And...
1: Not connecting the two things, but United have gone backwards since they signed him.
0: Uh, I mean, I think they started off okay, and but they have for whatever reason they went backwards. I don't think it's because of him. No,
1: but they signed him, and then they went backwards. Not connected, yeah. just saying no. them beside each other.
0: Yeah, there's no correlation. Whatsoever. Just saying those things beside each other. Yeah, <laughs> but not connected. maybe. Maybe
1: just just a narrative I've heard is that maybe Ali had a certain plan and even though he wasn't quite good enough uh whatever way they were playing last season they kind of stopped playing that way once they got him didn't they
0: i mean he adds a lot of goals to a team yeah. and at the end of the day goals win games as far as i'm concerned so i think that if they were strong enough as a unit i think they'd still be able to create enough chances whereas if he wasn't in the team They'd perform really well. But I think if you took him out of the team, yes, someone else would probably score the goals that he does, but they wouldn't score them at the same quantity. And I think they'd be a, a worse off team without a minute. So, F-
1: final question before we move on then. Do you think it is possible this season? We're, talk-
0: we're talking awful lot about football and we don't like to talk about football no, no. on this podcast.
1: <laughs> no, it's why would we? It's yeah. boring. No, but um, would would you think it's possible for... United to finish outside the top 4 and Ronaldo to score 30 plus goals in the set, this season. To have a yeah. striker score I think that is a solid bet. Throw a fiver on that as as I think you might get good odds on it and I think I don't know if you get happen. that
0: good odds but it's definitely a possibility.
1: Uh to if it to, to have as it has as a two as as the two together, I think you might get decent odds. United to finish outside top four and Ronaldo to score
0: thirty plus goals. To reckon like twelve to one or something. That's grand. I'd be happy with yeah. twelve to one. Yeah, go into your local bookmakers or. Uh, we are. Are we promoting on gambling line. on this show now? No, no. I wasn't finished. Okay. So if if you're that way inclined, go into your bookmakers and post a bet to to them, and do remember gamble responsibly.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's actually talk about what we we're going to talk about.
0: Well, uh, the reason why I brought Roy Keane up in the first instance is because I was, uh, I was even more amused at his antics before the game when Sky Sports presenter Dave Jones posed the question to him. You've been rumoured, Roy, this was before <laughs> Ralph Ragnick had been offered the job or taken up the role as interim manager. And Roy said, yeah, I'd have no problem going to that dressing room, knocking a few heads together. People forget... I've managed in the Premier League with Sunderland. People forget that yeah. they wouldn't have offered me the job anyway. So, on one hand, he's saying no, they wouldn't have offered me the job, but then on the other hand, defending his record as Sunderland manager, which is not so, a good record in the Premier League. I mean, he did okay. He kept them in the league, you know. <sighs> so he signed if, Daniel if,
1: Daniel Shapra.
0: Let's just remember that he signed El Hadjiouf. Let's let's remember, remember that. that also. Yeah. So lest if, we forget, if one of his grievances over Oli was that he hadn't won anything. I don't know what Roy's defence was, but anyway, I just thought it was, um, I thought it was funny on Roy's part taking such offence to the idea that he might be United's interim manager. Well,
1: United need to be re- very, very careful. I think they will be careful going forward appointing uh, ex-players into positions before. And like, there are, like and actually pay attention to the little red flags that they put up, like Roy Keane mentioning his Sunderland tenure as an example of how he could manage Man mm. United in the Premier League. Um, I was actually just recently reminded this week by um a friend of mine who actually people should check out his page as well uh, memeish if you haven't checked it out it's a beamish is an Irish stout and a couple of cork lads run a meme page on it and uh, they have it's pretty good but a friend of mine Trevor reminded me of a time when uh, Rio Ferdinand was being touted as the foo- uh, the football director or the managing what was it the director of football for man United and he was asked uh, would you like to do that he says I think I'd do a really good job. Of director of football, I think like I'd really get into it. I think I, I do a great job. Very next week, he was asked, "Who do you think United just signed?" I don't know. <laughs> 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 like I mean, that's what you would do in that job, you know, Rio. You know the you know the job that you were saying you'd love to do. That's all about appointing managers and thinking about possible
0: signings and scouting. So I feel like we're I feel like we're being awfully harsh on Rio Ferdinand.
1: Ah, listen, he's he's he just keeps doing it. He just keeps doing it. He,
0: be, before we move on, I just want to big up something Rio Fernand did do recently and because it's kind of close to, not going to say close to my heart, but close to where I live. He did a documentary on BT Sport about footballers from Southwest West London, which is where I happen to reside at the moment. So there's a lot of them. Have you lived in many
1: places, Colin?
0: Not that many. No, no. Okay. No. One right. or two. We'll pack we won't go there, into, We won't go into that though. No, we'll pack it. Separate podcast. We'll pack it. That could be its own series. We'll pack that one, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, as, uh, as we know, Roy Keane was not offered the interim job as manager of Thankfully. Man United. And Ralph Ragnick was the lucky man to get offered the role of interim manager for the next six and a half months anyway. And then he's been offered an advisory or consultorial role for a further two years after that.
1: Consultorial? I like that. Mm, um, like the yeah.
0: consigneri.
1: he he's a man with um, a serious reputation. It seems a reputation that, having done a little bit of looking into, I kind of not not that I question it, but there's there's definitely a, a mystique and a, and a and a gravitas around this man that I think he's. I, I, I what I'd say is some other managers have had to do a lot more and achieve a lot more to to achieve that level of. Um. basically people want admiration a, admiration yeah, to have that level of admiration other managers have had to do a lot more and uh, it could be to do with the fact that he's we're going to talk about him now but the fact that he is like accredited with being the godfather of Geggenpressing but like I don't know like We'll, we'll get into it. I just think there's 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 problems in in this. I think
0: there's probably a comparison to be made with Marcelo Bielsa Ex- exactly. at Leeds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who has got this reputation for being a terrific manager, but never actually really winning anything in terms of honors or yeah, uh, being at a, a club for a sustained period of time. So, like, why we, don't the we'll top get in.
1: clubs? Why don't the top clubs assign? Like, why was he? Why why ha, hasn't he been at a bigger club and won like Champions Leagues and and big titles and stuff like that. You'd have to ask. I think you'd have to ask that of Ralph Ragnick as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's something we get into. But uh, it was interesting for me in his first press conference there yesterday, Thursday, for people if they're listening to this on a different day. So he said that he was actually offered the Chelsea job at the start of this year as an interim basis as well. And he didn't oh, actually say he turned it down, he just said he was offered it. So I think it could have been an interesting prospect if. He taken over f- from Frank Lampard and yeah. instead of Thomas Tuchel
1: would have been interesting.
0: It would have been but a very they, they,
1: Chelsea thing to do as well to have an interim manager. They have a history of having interim managers.
0: Yeah, well, no, just retros- hitting. Yeah. yeah, retrospectively as well, probably would have been a bad idea for Chelsea because you know I don't know if he would have been as effective on the Chelsea team as Thomas Tuchel was. Whether they would would whether, whether they would have won the Champions League. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are that's the weather of, <laughs> okay man a yeah? of, there's a lot
0: of W's there he sounded like you were
1: in, from Yorkshire for a minute <laughs> but um no listen like in hindsight I mean no Chelsea fan is going to turn around and say I wish we had have got Ralph Radnick now because I mean Thomas Tuchel has been a, a revelation there I mean and, and I think if he if he continues to get backed in the market for like players to keep the squad fresh and stuff at, at Chelsea he'll continue to be they um, just spent
0: 250 odd million pounds a couple of years ago. What do they need freshness for?
1: Well, they actually, it's probably not freshness that I'm talking about, but they definitely have contract situations that are starting to get a little bit hairy. Like they need to uh, make sure they get Rudiger signed up to his contract because he's, I think he's getting close to being able to be a free agent. And I think yeah. they, he's been kind of uh, pushing the board to sort out the Andreas Christensen. Uh, contract as well
0: yeah. anyway let's not talk about Chelsea because no. neither one of us are particularly interested in them no. so no. Uh, anyway we're talking he, about him um, here so if we're gonna look into his uh, recent past so most recently he was sporting director or some other similar title to that at uh, I wanna say Spartak Moscow uh,
1: I think it was lo- lo- Locomotive I Moscow I it might have been Locomotive uh, we should know that you know that we should know that
0: yeah, yeah. We'll chop, um, do some chop chop. No, it was
1: Locomotive Moscow. Yeah, no, we, we, were, we were just, it was just a minor slip in our usually encyclopedic football knowledge.
0: Mm. So, yeah, so, yeah.
1: It, no, he, he's, so, been, he's done this role before, is what we're basically saying.
0: Well, yeah, his most recent role as director of football, Locomotive Moscow. And I think his most recent managerial role was with Orby Leipzig. Mm. So, again, in the recent past, hasn't won any honours, but I think it's probably more interesting if we look back uh, at the beginning of his managerial career because yeah. he's had a lot of football clubs, yes, and um, been in a lot of different uh, divisions as well. Not necessarily always the top tier of because yeah. most of his most of his football clubs have been in Germany, so it, it's not not a lot of it has been in the top tier, so the Bundesliga. Uh, he started off in, I think, the mid-80s mm-hmm. with a team called Victoria Baknung. And uh, I think, actually, this was where he first encountered um, high press. So it was back in the mid-80s, and his team had a pre-season friendly against D- Dynamo Kiev.
1: Yeah, uh, from, was uh, it Lobanovsky? Was that the man?
0: Yeah. That's yeah. the one. And uh, this is apparently where he encountered the high press and the uh, zonal marking for the first time, yep. which, of course, is where... Well, it's two of the main points of, of the Gagen press or what that's uh, evolved into. So I think up to that, German football clubs were used to playing the sweeper system and they were all about the man-marking system man marking, system well, man marking zonal was marking.
1: Man-marking like, German football at the time. And they played mm. five at the back as well.
0: Yeah, so he, he obviously saw that this worked really well at Dynamo Kiev, and he brought this back to Victoria Backnung and uh, started working on what we now know today as the Gagan Press.
1: And we all know so, what that spawned. Like, I mean, we just mentioned Thomas Tuchel. We could mention Jurgen Klopp. We could mention Julian Nagelsmann. And then, like, there's other less successful managers, but they all uh, try to apply it, like Daniel Farka, David Wagner... Like it it has like it has even more than that. Like, I mean, Graeme Potter has said that he has studied, like, you know, Ari Gosachi, Valeri Lobanovsky, and uh Ralph Radnik as well. So I mean, and we all think Graham Potter's doing a great job. So there's something in that Gagan Pressing stuff.
0: What actually uh we're gonna talk probably about the managers that he's influenced, because obviously Gagan pressing is massive in German football and uh this has been a lot of very high-profile or very successful German managers over the last kind of five or six, maybe seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And for me, one thing that really stands out is that none of those players, like Ragnick himself, were really top professionals or played yeah. at a really top level. Uh, so he kind of retired in his mid twenties, but he kind of became player manager for a few years, but more so on the management side of things. He was a midfielder back in his day. Nothing spectacular. Uh, Nothing spectacular. So if you look at the careers of Klopp, Tuchel, Nagelsmann, um, you know, good professionals, but not necessarily players at at their peak. Often early retirers as well. uh, Yeah, I just thought that was an interesting comparison to make, you know, and whether as a... As kind of someone who retires young and spends a lot of time coaching in their kind of mid-twenties, whether that has any effect on them. Yeah, he, he obviously influenced a lot of these guys. And I don't know if you've seen any of the stuff that Klopp has talked about over the last kind of week or so since the rumours started about uh, Ragnick possibly getting the United job. Uh, he's, he said a few things. He said that the rest of the Premier League should be worried about the fact that Ragnick is coming into Man United's interim manager and Thomas Tuchel has said that he was a massive influence on him, particularly yeah. when he was at uh, Borussia Dortmund, said he gave him a lot of advice as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you think Jurgen Klopp's style of play maybe has been influenced? Because obviously gegenpressing Pressing is massive for Liverpool's style.
1: Yeah, well, Jurgen Klopp had a game actually against, um, in his early Dortmund career, he had a game against a uh, Rodnik Rodnick uh, RB Leipzig And I think they were beaten 4-1. And he said, after, on that day, he said, um, that's the football we should be playing. That's the football we will be playing, basically. Um, So he's obviously been a huge influence. Now, obviously, um, I'm a Liverpool fan, and as such, I've kind of like followed... Everyone's kind of followed Klopp. I know a lot more about Klopp than I do Ranić, just naturally enough. But um, I think that the Dortmund kind of style, especially... Like the year that that they won the league and the DFB Pokal uh, was very much like almost carbon copy of Ranick, but like Klopp, even just by coming to the Premier League, just by dealing with the players he originally had, has kind of developed beyond that. Now I think Tuchel is the exact same thing. I don't. I'm not as. I'm not as familiar with uh, with Julian Nagelsmann, but. um Yes, they're influenced by Ranieri, but they have consistently managed like as a manager. Like uh, Ralph Ranieri kind of has an interesting career where he's director of football direct kind of like a an overseer uh, at a club, but Klopp, I think in Tuchel might be, have sharper tools for managing now. Like the students are kind of like almost the master at this point. Like I think they're more adept, more a- agile in changing tactically, like like if you look at like when Klopp came into Liverpool first, it was like get them all running, get them all working really hard. That was it. Once he kind of got his uh, got a hold of the Premier League and got a hold of like a squad that was more suited to him, but also using what he already had, the football that Liverpool play now is not even the same as the football they they played when he started. It's not even the same as the football they played two years ago, and it's certainly mm. not the same as the football Dortmund played. So I think even like Klopp being the one I know the most about, he has shown a lot more flexibility as a manager than Ralph Raniak has.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's key that a lot of football managers, I think it's one attribute that the best managers have. Because I think a lot of time, and if you listen to a lot of punditry or if you read articles online or... Particularly post-match punditry, you're trying to get a consi you're trying to get a lot of information into a concise period of time. So the, a lot of the time they like to talk about styles of play and uh, certain managers or certain clubs or teams have a particular way of playing. But at the end of the day, we know that it, you have to be pragmatic as a manager and yeah. you have to approach every game. I- ideally, you would like a way to to play football and ideally most managers are going to say I want to play attacking football I want to score loads of goals and yes whereas um, Ragnick may have brought the gegenpressing style to German football and influenced certain managers like Klopp and Tuchel but Klopp has obviously brought it on himself Yeah, and it's not like he doesn't continue to adapt because if he didn't continue to adapt people would figure out his style of football and then all of a sudden Liverpool wouldn't be successful anymore. So I understand that a lot of people and a lot of the German managers are now saying, well, he was a great influence on me. But I mean, he was an influence. He wasn't the reason for their success. No. So uh, I think it's great that he's got such a good reputation. And where, where I'm more interested in looking at is, obviously, past successes are not an indicator for future success. But, you know, as a football manager, it's, It's one way to gauge yourself. And if we're we're to look at the honours that uh, Ralph Ragnick has had as a football manager, they're few and far between. So I'll just list off a couple of them. So he won the under-19 Bundesliga with VfB Stuttgart. He won the Regional Liga Sud ULM ULM, 1846 and 1998. Uh, He won the Intertoto Cup. Do you remember the Intertoto Cup? I do remember the
1: Intertoto Cup,
0: yeah. He won that with Stuttgart way back in two thousand. Pretty much and on then, par with the
1: Manhattan Popcorn Cup as well.
0: Mmm, I heard that's a tasty trophy to win. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, he won the Bundesliga 2 with Hannover in in 2002. Matter. So it's interesting how he went from winning the Intertoto Cup and then dropped back down to the uh, Bundesliga 2 with Hannover in uh, 2002. Mm. And then fast forward almost 10 years when he was with Schalke, he won the DFB Pokal Cup and the DFL uh, Super Cup, which is basically the community shield in Germany. He won both of those in 2011. And his highest league position in the Bundesliga, so the top tier in German football, back in 2005, he finished second with Schalke. Mm. And in 2019, he finished runner-up with Leipzig. So a couple of league titles at the lower level and a couple of runner-ups with teams in the Bundesliga very far apart so not a great kind of managerial cv in terms of honors won.
1: yeah no um not really yeah and and this is the thing like i mean i don't want to to draw i I, I don't want to use that as the only barometer of how good someone is going to be because especially considering he has this hybrid career of overseer director of football kind of like helping how a a club runs and like we people have their thoughts on the Red Bulls thing like I think we should maybe talk about like because the other clubs are more like him as a manager it shows that he does have like managerial acumen like he can win a cup he can you know get the get the team kind of humming now I will say I would like I would have liked to see a top tier title in there somewhere for a man who's supposed to be taken on United now I suppose he's he's only taken them as a as a a caretaker manager like so or a, a, like an interim manager but like at the same time after the years that United have had I, I kind of just you want to see like pedigree I'm sorry the only way to measure pedigree is winning titles and winning prestigious cups now the DFB Polkad is a prestigious cup but like you'd like to see more of it you know and, and but I what I would say is that maybe this is all just about you know the work he did with Red Bull Leipzig now the only thing I'd say about the Red Bull project is that like they basically we've talked about this before but they kind of circum navigate the, the rules of German football and that has to be another part of their success is that like they they don't really do the 50 plus 1 rule they get around spending you know like any club that kind of spends more and, and, and does things like that that is a huge factor too not saying he didn't do a good job but um but anyone yeah, I who, think it, who, who know, seems to know about football or, or, or they seem to admire the project he's put together at, at Red Bull and, and how it operates in terms of what I would say about Red Bull, the scouting is incredible. Mm. Like they seem to just keep popping up with like players that other people want. They keep well, the yeah. getting there first.
0: Maybe that's another way to determine the success of a manager. If you're, you know, you can look at honours, but possibly another gauge might be looking at players they've uncovered or... Players that they've had in their teams, yep. and I found a, a Ralph Ragnick eleven of players, his best signings of players that are oh, currently good. playing this, 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 at I'd
1: be interested to hear this now.
0: So in goal, he discovered Manuel Neuer. So probably one of the best goalkeepers of the last ten years or so, being Germany's number one, being one yeah. trophy after trophy. Bit of a nutter, though, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Was that that's a Schalke? Downs. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him playing for Schalke. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, it's not bad. It's not a bad start. Uh, if we look at his defence, David Alaba. Right. So, not bad. Not bad either. Currently playing for Real Madrid, I think. Yeah, he is. He's at Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, Upa Mancano at Leipzig. Mm-hmm. Conate, now currently at Liverpool, with mm-hmm. you lads. And Joshua Kimmich. Oh, yeah.
1: That's a pretty solid team. Like back pretty five, solid there. Back four, back five. You got to go for. Gotta, yeah. Don't, for, don't, don't forget the, the the nutter at the back. <laughs> and he does like to just. He he could be a striker as well.
0: Yeah, and then in midfield, Cate seems to be a lot of Liverpool players. Uh, well, we have this been, team.
1: We ha- they're basically our new Southampton. Yeah, you've been, club. Pilf-
0: you've been pilfering German football for the last few years. Smith Rowe, I don't know where Smith Rowe because I saw that and I didn't really investigate it anymore. But I'm gonna assume it's some connection. Sounds somewhere. like a lie. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. So I'm gonna put a, an an asterisk beside that one. Yeah. And then continuing the Liverpool team, Mane and Firmino. Yes, that's um, not true. So Firmino, obviously, I think Hoffenheim. Maybe that's the connection. I don't know if it goes back that far. No, it would be. Yeah, that'd be about right. And then uh, Timo Werner. Right. Mm. not bad is it <laughs> and then up top of course who rumoured I've heard a rumour that if he signs this player or manages to convince this player to sign for United he'll get a 6 or 7 million pound bonus Erling Haaland
1: ah well now you see this is where it all falls apart he's 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 a <laughs> flash in the pan that fella oh
0: yeah he, he'd, he's never, he'd never cut the mustard football. in the Premier League no no definitely not well he he, so,
1: he might not we don't know. No, but uh, yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty out. good scouting going on there now. To be fair, and and yes. if any if any team needs to not be spending stupid money on players that don't work out any more than they have in the last couple of years, it's Man if United
0: Football Club. You're right.
1: No, but like United <clears> could do with actually having a couple of uh oh, who's that? And then they turn out to be great. That would be that would be nice for them because they've had to spend top dollar on everybody forever and. I mean, there's been a couple of duds in the last few years. Like, I don't want to mention Alexis Sanchez, but I just
0: have. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, that wasn't really necessary buying someone who was on an un, unknown, un, an un, un unknown quantity. He I just kind of they
1: got they got reamed on the price, and I think Arsenal knew what was going to happen next.
0: Yeah, it was smart, but well, it was smart business on Arsenal's point because you know he was running out of his contract, and either sell him in January or get him for let him go for nothing in...
1: Yeah, but it I mean, that you as a United so. fan, must that must excite you a little bit, the idea that you might be able to like bag a gem or two before someone else sees them, you know what I mean? And, and I, I find as a football fan, I absolutely love when my team signs someone and everyone's slagging you for signing them and then they turn out to be brilliant.
0: Yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, there is one recent example I can think of United in the last few years and it's Bruno Fernandes, but... Other no one was that, laughing you know. at you for
1: that though And loads of other people wanted him It wasn't That was like
0: Well I don't know I, I hadn't really heard too much of him Before they signed him and uh, No he, he was
1: him. he was being He did not come You like to always run that one I've heard you say this before It was not like a <laughs> Oh wow How did they
0: know about him Everybody knew about him I didn't Chelsea no, were in we, for him Liverpool uh, were no, in for him No 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 He was a known retros- quantity He was a very very known quantity your, you're retrospectively changing history there, and I don't like it.
1: All I'd say about that point about Rannik is that it kind of has the potential to fall into the Arsene Wenger end of things. It's like some people kind of know how to do a thing for a while, and then everyone looks at it and go, and they all do it too. Like so, you well, remember? I mean, you remember when, you, like Arsenal, the the whole thing with Arsenal was like an entire team of who are they, and then they were like oh, they're all really really good and mm-hmm. then everyone started to kind of figure out where he was looking and how he was finding these players and this sort of thing and people got much more into having their their network and their contacts in Europe and in Africa and Asia and in South America and now everybody like i mean you got to be got to admit liverpool's done a pretty decent job of uncovering a couple of those cheap players that are now worth the ton you know yeah. like Just saying like other managers, other scout networks are there to be competed with now and he's going to have to change the entire infrastructure of United to make that happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about scouting players, it's it's, what his role is going to be going forward because, you know, it's only a short-term role for him as interim manager and then he'll go upstairs for uh, his consultory role. Mm. Uh, conciliatory role
1: let's just not say that word for his big boy <laughs> role he's the big boy you know do you know what though? I will say he's he, he is a I have I don't have first-hand experience I have first-hand experience of being a Liverpool fan and being frustrated by this man he is a seriously tough negotiator when we yeah. when we wanted Navi like it was just not happening at anything but the price that they wanted and it was not happening at any time other than when they wanted him to be sold. he was mm. not deal it like he was not going to give us any concession there was no nothing we could say or do to make it happen but but we're talking about all these like grand like you know um, you know kind of like philosophical things like in his philosophy and stuff like that but I'm just going to drop a clanger here he's got a lower win percentage than Oli Gunnar as a manager
0: yeah I'm aware of that Yeah, but we f- we forget that Oli's managed in the Norwegian Tipper and so you know I'm just saying the standard is Norwegian tip league is not as high as you know the Bundesliga's why,
1: yeah. But I will say, like, I mean, of, of Molde twice and Man United, he had above 50, almost 55 percent, is almost the same win percentage with all of them. And like, it was only his time at Cardiff where it was 30 percent win that actually brings his average down quite a bit, yeah. So
0: yeah well, what I will say though if you, is if we look if we look at his two most successful seasons which is his runner-up seasons with Schalke and RB Leipzig so with Schalke his win percentage was 55% yeah. and then with RB Leipzig his win percentage was 58%. So in his two most successful seasons it was you know pushing the late 50s. So that's one I think that's one grain of hope for United fans but I yeah. do agree with you I think is his win percentage overall is quite poor. If you look at his entire career, mm. his win percentage is forty seven point seven eight percent. So I think anything hints, less than fifty percent is pretty bad.
1: I think it kind of just hints at what like I'm like I mean, obviously I'm having a bit of fun, you know, uh kind of putting him next to Oli Gunnar because I think Oli Gunnar Soskar stole a living for the last few years. But and I don't think Ralph Ranick is as bad as that. Um, I just think it's interesting. I think it maybe might point towards what we're kind of getting at, and maybe why he is interim and not full time is that he might not have the managerial chops above some of the elite managers. Like, you know, and we, we you know, I wonder like when he meets, like, if Antonio Conte gets a proper hold of, of, of Tottenham, he's the kind of manager that you need the like adaptation and agility that, like, like I could see Jurgen, like I could see an Antonio Conte team, probably beating Liverpool, and then Jurgen Ooh. having to again adapt. Like, and he's adapted to these negative style managers, these like kind of kryptonite managers for him before. And I just don't think there's a great show of that pedigree with Ralph Ranick, Which, but it, it seems what I like about what's happening with United now, and and what I don't like is that there's a very clear they've they've been really clear in their communication. Everything has been a bit weird with them for a very for a very long time. For them to just say Carrick is managing the, uh, until the interim. Here's the interim, and he's managing till the end of the season, and then we ha- are going to put, appoint a permanent manager. Like United fans, United players, clubs that are going to deal with United in the summer, they all know what United are doing now, and that's that's a positive thing to have done. And yeah, like he he might not have the managerial chops, but. I think it's been pretty evident for quite a while now that the actual infrastructure and the business that is United needs a good looking at. and I mean, he seems to be the guy who's good at doing that. It'll be interesting, to say the least.
0: Even if he's not the right person for the job, I think the approach and the process that they've put in place in this appointment, I think, is good. Mm. They stated from the very beginning that we're going to have Michael Carrick operate as interim and then we're going to hire an interim manager until the end of the season, and then that manager will stay on as an advisor for two years. So I think they've got the process right this time, and it's yet to be seen whether they get the person right. Mm. So I think that's definitely one grain of hope, and Ed Woodward will be leaving the club at the end of this year. Another grain of hope. (laughs) (laughs) Another grain of hope. So we'll see who takes over as chief executive from him. But... Like I said there's never any guarantees in football we know he's not really won many honors his win percentage is not great but had a great influence on a lot of german managers in particular over the last 25 years and most particularly over the last kind of 5 to 7 years so i think that's great sense of optimism for united managers or for sorry united, united, united supporters yeah. and i think Before we finish, I think we should probably maybe take a look at the the current United squad and see who (laughs) it may be good news for and maybe who it's not good news for. So there's a couple of players who I think it could be good for. I think Harry Maguire could be good for because, you know, let's face it, he's not really played very well for United um, over the last kind of year. I think uh, Rannick's style of play, his insistence on zonal marking – and I, th- I think that was Solcher the way Solcher likes to play anyway. But we know he likes a lot of emphasis on defensive play. Uh, I think Paul Pogba might benefit from it because he's said that, well, rumours have come out that he's probably happy now that Oli's gone and that Ragnick will come in. From my perspective, I'm just happy if Pogba signs a new contract because I think it's just terrible business on United's part if they let him go twice on a free you know, yeah. when they could have made so much money selling him from a transfer fee. I think it's going to be good for a player like Jaden Sancho because Rannick has said that he actually tried to sign him for Orby Leipzig in yeah. the recent past and has actually met up with him. He said he met up with him as a 17-year-old in London and tried to convince him to come to Orby Leipzig. This is, of course, before he went to Dortmund. So we obviously know he rates Jaden Sancho quite high. Had a very slow start to his career at United and has played well the last three or four games this is true. and started scoring. So hopefully he will be a good influence on him. And then like the younger players like Greenwood and Rashford, Rashford obviously a little bit older, but hopefully he can be a good influence on Greenwood because he had a great start to the season and for whatever reason, maybe because of injuries, so he just tailed off a little bit. And I think Marcus Rashford has got all the attributes. I just think he needs to I think he needs to direct them. Um, and just be a bit more aggressive when he's on the football pitch. I, I don't, I don't get the feeling from Marcus Rashford that he's aggressive enough when he's on the pitch. I think he's fast. He's he's great finisher. He's got a great first touch. He's got everything really he needs. He just needs that killer instinct. I think sometimes he's too. He's not selfish enough when it comes okay. to um, being in front of the goal. So I don't
1: see Ralph Ranić being a manager that's going to encourage selfishness.
0: Yeah, but I mean. I, I can only hope that he, he brushes off um, players I can see him being bad for someone like Ronaldo because obviously we know he likes the gegenpress press and pressing yeah. from the front Cavani uh, um, Cav- well I don't know Cavani I think is probably more likely to, to do yeah. press than I don't think he's going to be good I don't think is,
1: he's going to be good for Maguire I just want to say that
0: no uh, like there's obviously something there with. yeah £80 million pounds, that's what's there yeah yeah, but anyway, uh, I think there's some grains of hope, and obviously, these are the areas that he should be looking to improve. Whether he can or not is a different story. But this is this is, I think, what he should be looking at anyway to try and improve the team. Um, if he improves these individuals, it obviously, will have a, a knock-on effect on team performances and, and results. So, can I uh, can I
1: can I pose the question to you as a United fan? Then
0: you can pose no questions. I at pose all. this. I pose this question
1: to you uh, as and you as a United fan. What do you think of this? Is mm-hmm. he a failure if they don't make top four?
0: If they don't make the top four and he doesn't win a trophy, yeah. You think he's a failure then? Yeah, because outside of the top three, Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea, I think everyone else in the league is kind of a bit meh this season. So
1: it's a Well, uh, it's a very competitive season, I think.
0: It, it is, and I think outside of the top three, I don't think there's a standout team. So I think there's, amongst any one of the rest... <coughs> <coughs> <of course. coughs> are you just uh, your,
1: your lies are getting caught in your throat? There, eh?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think outside of those top three, I think fourth place is very much up for grabs. So I think the way we started off this season, I think I'd be happy with a four place finish and adding another Champions League title to the trophy cabinet. So that's what <laughs> I would that's what I would consider a success this season. So,
1: so just saying that there, there is a very real chance that you could finish outside the top four. Mm-hmm. with no trophies, does that affect United's ability to appoint the manager, manager and the players they might want to sign? Like, Does it affect them being able to appoint the manager they may want next season and no. sign the players they may want to sign? And no. keep the players they may want to keep? No. It has no bearing on that. United None are whatsoever. immune to that. Yeah. The arrogance of United fans will never, ever cease to amaze me.
0: Are you saying that when Liverpool were outside the top four for so many years that they couldn't attract the top players? Yes, they couldn't. Well, they were able to attract Jurgen Klopp at some stage. So United will be able to get the manager that they want. I have no fears mm. about that. But we definitely that, couldn't so.
1: attract the top players. We had to We had to kind of go for rough diamonds and get lucky sometimes.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. But anyway, as time will tell. Like I said earlier, there's no guarantees in football he's got a great reputation particularly amongst German football managers so we'll see
1: Fingers crossed it all goes up in a big ball of flames and we <laughs> we get we, we just you just dip off even more that'd be hilarious
0: I think that that's a great note to finish on so <laughs> we'll speak to you very soon We've been the linesman